Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese. I'm back once again with the soul man, Brian Solek, that damn dirty duck, Matt Page, and our special guest star this week, Dale Scott, Major League umpire. Uh, Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I Damn dirty duck. I, apparently we have two now. Is that, uh, is that <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, they they like to uh, they like to express their jealousy uh, towards me for the ducks being so awesome <laughs> uh, well, in in negative ways. Well, I wore my duck shirt just for the city of Seattle and the Seattle. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There's there there's some there's some feelings in Seattle towards the ducks. I have to. Be oh, oh, trust me, I know. Where I go. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. We we are very honored to have you on as a guest. Um, I'm uh, happy to be here. Obviously, you're you're coming out with a book called "The Empire Is Out." Is actually we can talk about where to find it later on the show. But I read it in like three days. I mean, not it, one of the better sports books that I've read in a long time. Um, I want to give you that well, first of all. <laughs> well, thank you. That's great to hear. I. Uh... It's always nice when people say they liked the book. <laughs> the, the, I've had it. I've actually had really good feedback so far. But then, you know, I told Mike, uh, I'm not sure if somebody didn't like the book, they would just probably say, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's good." And I read it. You know, I mean, they probably wouldn't write in, but the, but the ones that liked it, uh, they, they have written in it. So that's <laughs> I just, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some some of your stories, but I just, I thought it was very inspirational. I am. I love the fact that you tell the truth in all your stories. I mean, you just let it all out. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I, I got to keep myself PG 13, but you comment on how these certain <laughs> players tell you to bleep off and these managers uh, who are assholes. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it just, you just made it very entertaining and, well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I mean, uh, it, you know, a lot of people that have uh, the feedback that I've gotten, a lot of them said, um, it's my own voice. They can hear me, you know, coming out of the pages, so to speak. One, one, uh, one guy said, I, I feel like I was uh, sitting across the table from Dale in a bar and he's just telling stories, you know? And so that's a pretty good compliment. Oh, yeah. I would guess I'm not, it's for some ever written a book, but I would guess that if, uh, if, if they, if they can hear your voice as they're reading it, it's uh, you know, that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You're a very good storyteller. And uh, one quick comment about, what Brian's saying about the the managers and everyone who's a jerk. One of the one of the key features I really enjoyed was when I got to the back of the book and you have the list of everyone who you've ejected and the reason why for the whole career. And yeah, I'm it was just almost a volume that. there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, this is a long list, you know. <laughs> well, I even have the minor league ejections. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking, I'm looking at this name. Oh, I would have liked to see why that person got ejected. <laughs> wow, something must have happened to get that guy ejected, you know. But you know, it's funny because I had uh, kept all my minor league ejection reports and all the MLB ejection reports up to 2,000 because all of those were written reports and, and we'd either mail them in back in the old days or, and then fax them in. But once we, uh, 2000 and beyond, uh, everything was uh, electronic, you know, email, you know, electronically sent in. So I, I called the, uh, the league and I said, I was writing a book and could I get all the copies of the ejections I've had since 2000, which they, uh, uh very uh, kind to do that. So that, so that's, uh, that's, I had that in front of me and that helped me, uh, you know, spark my memory a little bit right. and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and write things, you know, a lot, you know, the thing that's funny guys is the, um, a lot of umpires, retired umpires have, uh, written books and they're, they're entertaining and there's some great stories, but you know, I, I'm in some of those books, uh, in the stories, you know, they're, they're mostly true and uh, whatever, uh, but they, 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 but they're, but they're entertaining. They're fun. Right. Um, and, but, but all those books, uh, Durwood and Davey and, um, uh, you know, are basically before the internet or right, right, right. Kind of at the start of the internet, I was, you know, a lot of the, the, the hours I, uh, took to write this, a lot of it was research to make sure I had, uh, the right dates, the right names that, you know, the, I've had some of these stories that I've been telling for decades. And, you know, as I did research, I found out that on a few of them, I had the story, right. I mean, it was the, 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 uh, the heart of the story was correct, but I like one story. Uh, I thought it was Tim McClellan, but actually it was Tim Welke when I did the research or, uh, you know, I thought it was opening day or opening series. Um, and it was actually, uh, in May, you know, is uh, the second month. So, you know, things like that, that, uh, helped refresh my memory, but you know, I had a lot of concussions. So what the heck I, I have an excuse, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you always see yourself writing a book or no, no, I, I, in fact, uh, like I said, uh, you know, uh, other retired umpires have written books. I, I just didn't want to do that. I just didn't want to 
write a bunch of stories and, you know, and half of them are, you know, kind of true or whatever. Um, I, I just, I didn't feel like doing that, but Rob Nyer, who wrote the book uh, with me um, and happens to live in Portland also, which is very convenient. I had helped him with a book uh, that he wrote a few years uh, previous. And, and so in uh, uh, 2018, uh, excuse me, 2019, he called me and said, Hey, listen, uh, let's have lunch. I've got that book that you helped me with. I, I was going to give you a signed copy. So we were having lunch. He said, when are you writing a book? Because if you write a book, Dale, I would be the first guy to read it. And I said, Rob, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, you know, I, they, those stories and the umpire stories, blah, blah, blah. He goes, no, no, no. You have those stories, uh, you know, 32 years in the big leagues, 37 years of professional baseball. You've got a few stories and, uh, and, and, and people like that, but you have a completely other story that nobody has and it's got to get out. You know, he think, and I thought about it and, 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 and the, uh, uh, all the uh, feedback I got from when I came out in 2014 was so positive and it, and it helped so many people, um, you know, when they would tell me their stories. So I thought, you know what, maybe Rob, maybe Rob's right. So um, ended up writing it. And I loved it. I, lo- I mean, you know, I've never done that before. I, it was an education. It was a challenge. Um, I learned a lot. I certainly, uh, from, from when uh, we started writing until the, you know, the finish about six and a half, seven months later, I definitely improved. I got better. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm coachable, right? <laughs> but it was fun. I enjoyed it. So you worked. So, okay. So, yeah. So you worked with Rob on a, a prior book. You said, was it Powerball? Um, it was, I, yeah, I believe, I believe it was. Yes. Um, okay. I, I just, it's, he, uh, uh, it was in spring training. He had, uh, we had gotten together. He asked me if, uh, for some information like background stuff. And, uh, I think I mentioned in the book a couple of times, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm not a main, you know, a big part of it, but that, that's how I met Rob. And that's how yeah. we got to know each other. Okay. Yeah. We, we had him on our, on our show. What? February. Two, three months ago or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And he, that's when he told us about this book. Oh, okay. And we, we immediately went, okay, yeah, we, we, we've got to see if we can get you on the show. We, we, we immediately <laughs> wanted to talk to you. Um, sure. And yeah, you did. <laughs> you, you, you definitely, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I'm seeing is Mimi, the, our, our, our mascot, and one, one part of our <laughs> webcam shows <laughs> right now. She wants to be on the show. Well, of course um, she does. But uh, no, yeah, we, we just, you know, we were fascinated to hear your point of view. And, and one of the great things that we've, you know, as we've gone down this path of the show and, and with our writing locally for a local uh, minor league baseball team here, the Everett Aqua Sox mm-hmm. um, is one of the things we've, we've really come to learn is the job of the umpire and how difficult that is. We had an opportunity with a friend of ours who is an umpire uh, Brian Herzog, and mm-hmm. and he sometimes substitutes here as a as a as a as a re, as the umpire for the Yonkers Sox, and sometimes um, he well he puts on helps work with the local uh, affiliates uh, for the the um, they do the, some training, and they they had a training day one of the like you know camps real quick camps uh, right. here in Everett one time it was like two or three years ago now right right before COVID started I think and. Brian had Brian got put on the field and our Brian got put on the field to chase down and try to cover third and, 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 you know, on the two man crew and, and what to look for and all that. And, uh, it, it was just, I mean, you know, I never really thought about how difficult your job is. I mean, I knew it was a tough job, but you know, now I know like 5% of it. So I know exactly (laughs) enough to know there's no way I could possibly accomplish it. So (laughs) I want to say we have a tremendous respect for how hard that job is. Well, I I appreciate that. You know, a lot of times people don't recognize or not recognize, but you know, they're they're watching the teams. They're watching the baseball game when they, when they, uh, you know, are cognizant of the umpires, usually when something goes not their way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but it's not, everybody can be an umpire, but not everybody can be a doctor or not everybody can yeah. be, you know, a lot of other things. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a, a, a certain personality, um, and a certain, uh, skill set to be able to do it for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Mike, my husband, I, I joke, you know, he, uh, he's very handy. I mean, he can build things and, and kitchen remodels and stuff and stuff that I absolutely cannot do. I mean, I, I am not, uh, uh uh, talented that at all, but I, you know, so he does all that. And I said, you know, but conversely, you know, he's really, really bad on the three, two slider. So, um, you know, so I've got that going for me, you know, so, uh, got to stick with your strengths, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, real quick. I talked to Brian Herzog earlier this week. Can he mention that he met you after his 
career was over and he started up his current business, but he's, he was very appreciative how you always helped in zoom training and you're always willing to help instruct the, you know, the new umpires coming aboard. He just yeah. re- really loves, loves, well, you, I, you know, I, I, uh, I love, uh, I, I taught one year at umpire school. The last year they had the San Bernardino school in, um, in uh, 1984 I date myself, but I was still in the minor leagues. Um, and then, uh, we used to have with, uh, several other umpires, uh, Mike Winters, uh, Larry Poncino, Gary Darling, uh, we used to do like three different weekend camps up and down the West coast, uh, all through the nineties of uh, a couple of years in the late eighties. I really enjoy, uh, you know, instructing and, and, and doing that. The other thing is, is quite frankly, you got to remember where you came from. And, um, you know, I like to give back if I, if I possibly can. And that's, uh, that's something that not only I enjoy doing, but, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know that when I was first starting out, even before I got into professional baseball, Eugene, Oregon, uh, at the Lane County Umpires Association um, at the time, uh, you know, when, 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 when senior guys or, or, you know, guys, big time college guys or, uh, uh, you know, uh, minor league umpires came and talked to us, I, you know, I looked up to them. I, I, I learned from them. I, I, uh, absorbed, you know, like a sponge. I was trying to uh, take it all in. And, 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 and so I just try to do the same, uh, to give back. And, and, and not only it's not like a, it's a chore or anything. Cause I, I really enjoy it. What, what convinced you to go to umpire school back in the, what was it? 1980, 81? Uh, well, it was uh, right after the day after Christmas, 1980. So it was actually the 80 class of 81, uh, in Jan- late January when we, um, when we uh, graduated, you know, um, I was umpiring in Eugene. I, you know, growing up, I was, uh, there were no Mariners back then. This is how old I am. Uh, so I was an LA Dodger fan. And the reason I was, the only reason I was basically is because my grandfather lived down there and he was a fan, an LA fan. So I'm going to be an LA fan. Right. But, uh, I was pretty convinced I would be the uh, first baseman for the Dodgers. Uh, but as I started playing like in, you know, fourth, fifth grade or whatever, I realized I couldn't, you know, hit, run, bunt, uh, you know, steal, you know, throw, uh, feel, I couldn't do any of it. Um, uh, I was very good at the bench, though, um, and <laughs> I was observing a lot of umpires. So um, by the time I was 15, going into high school, a JV team, varsity team, I was going to make, you know, I was going to close to any of those. And I wanted to stay involved in baseball. I loved baseball, and uh, a friend of mine suggested umpiring, and I thought, that's not a bad idea. I was 15. Maybe I'll try that out. And I just, I fell in love with it. It was a, you know, a challenge every day. It's a, it's a, it's a game that, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the rules don't change every day, but you never know what you're going to get that, you know, you could have a, uh, you know, a no hitter, you could have a, uh, 15 to 14 slug fest. You can have, you know, I mean, every, you just don't know what's going to happen, but as an umpire, you have to hopefully rise to whatever uh, challenges do happen in that game and, and, and call it correctly. And, and so that's always a, an, an ever changing thing. I enjoyed it. I also started doing, uh, at the high school level and, and below uh, football and basketball, uh, uh, when I was a senior in high school. So I enjoyed that. Uh, a friend of mine in Eugene that I umpired with said, you know, uh, he had gone to umpire school a few years earlier. He didn't get a job out of it, but he said, you, you really should go. You will enjoy it. It's a great uh, experience. Um, you know, you'll come back. You'll be able to, you know, start w- with that behind you, uh, working some Division One college and, and, and working up to some uh, bigger games there. And if you possibly could get into the minor leagues, if you, you know, if you score uh, high enough. So, that's what I did. I, I went when I was 21 and, um, and I never looked back. Then you went to the, wow. you started out in the Northwest league. Once they hired you aboard, is that correct? Right. 1981 was my first okay. uh, year in the Northwest league. W- would you mind, you wrote a, a story in your book about beer night in Bend. Can, <laughs> can you share that with our audience and with Abraham? It oh. was uh, first of all, it's it, it, again, 1981. <laughs> uh, this is so illegal now. I mean, the, the, oh. the uh, you know, liquor laws and, and, and everything. It would never it's a shame. Us. I'd love it now. <laughs> but they had in Bend, Oregon on, on beer night, um, they would have, uh, you know, beer would be cheaper for the night, uh, you know, but if a Bend player hit a home run for the rest of that half inning, even the beer night prices are half price. So, it was the strangest thing because once the half inning was over, the third out is recorded. Even if you're in line, boom, prices go back to where, to where they were. So it was the strangest thing because when a Ben guy would hit, you know, home, home team, hence a home run, he's barely rounded first. And the, and the stands are like cleared. I mean, everybody's just like, <laughs> like, like a stampede to the, to the concession stand to get in line to, you know, and if, if he hit it on a, with two outs, I mean, everybody's super nervous. They you're going to be, you know, it may not make it. Um, it, it and it was, it, it, it was hilarious. Really. They had a, a bucket of beer 
which was 150 ounces. Holy moly. Now, 144 is a 12 pack, right? Is a, is a half case. So th- this is more than a half case. And I, I believe it was, you know, again, this is 1981. I believe it was uh, uh, like 750 on beer night or something. And, but home run, it's 320, you know, three, uh, uh, okay. uh, 375. So, um, so anyways, we had a double header there on a Thursday night. It was beer night. I had the second game behind the plate. The first game, uh, Ben hit about four home runs or something, four or five home runs. So <laughs> they got the crowd juiced up. Ready? Okay. Everybody's uh, doing that. So now I have to get, I have the uh, behind the plate the second game. Of course, he plays seven inning games. And I think Ben hit two home runs that game, but they were behind. Um, and in, in the bottom of the sixth, the tying run, I called the tying run out at, at home plate to end the inning. And uh, they didn't like that. Um, and so they, <laughs> the manager was screaming at me and, and, and you know, I, uh, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I, as I'm arguing with him, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in the side of my eyes, like, what, what's going on? Well, all these beer night, uh, participants who, by the way, now, you know, by the end of the second game, after about six home runs throughout the evening, their arms weren't very good. They were trying to throw stuff at me, but they, it, was, it wasn't very good. But they were they were just sloppy drunk. And they had uh, one kind of rent-a-cop guy that was going, don't, you shouldn't throw stuff. Um, you guys quit it. You know, I mean, it was just it was, it was really ridiculous. My, my dad and a good friend of mine from high school was happened to be at the game. And, 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 and my dad, God love him. He's, he's 91, still, uh, still with us. My mom and dad both. Um, but he would, you know, he was so proud and he, when he would go to a game, that's, you know, that's my son, you know, that's my son. well now after this, uh, this play and, and, you know, the argument and everybody's throwing stuff, <laughs> he, he said, my dad and, and my friend, Mark, they were sitting there going, we don't know him. We have no idea who that is. We, you know, I mean, we just, you know, I'm sure he look, he kind of looks like my son a little bit. Um, but, uh, uh, and then after, you know, finally we got the game over, we, we go to our locker room, but, but before we got the game over, because this, this, uh, uh, high high tech security guy that was there that wasn't doing a very good job uh, a couple uh, oregon state police showed up to uh, kind of quell the riot um and so finally uh my dad and mark come come back you know like several minutes after the game i said what took you so long to get back here? and he said well we weren't quite sure if we want to come back here quite frankly <laughs> you know, they, they were a little nervous that we might be uh uh, you know, uh, some uh, some of those drunk fans might have woke up and and, and come in and uh, beat the crap out of us or anything. But but beer night at Bend was unbelievable. And and, and the, the most surreal thing I can't emphasize enough is when you would have a heroic home run or something, and the stands would clear. Uh, you know, before the guy rounded first. <laughs> <laughs> You come back to home and be like, wait, where's the crowd? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just, it was so strange. <laughs> uh, I wanted, I wanted to circle back real fast before we get too far into your umpiring career. You, you had a, uh, an almost an, uh, like, I guess an aborted career almost with a, uh, with the radio booth, uh, right around the time I, I'm wondering, uh, from the timing, did you, uh, envision yourself of becoming a, um, uh, Dr. Johnny fever, <laughs> Dr. Johnny fever. <laughs> Well, actually, uh, I, I, I took an interest in radio uh, back in junior high, and, and that was a goal of mine to be a, be a disc jockey. And, and uh, um, when I got into high school at uh, Sheldon there in Eugene, the, the school district there, uh, the four high schools had a remote uh, studio. So they would be on the, they'd have certain, you know, a couple hours every day mm-hmm. that they'd be on. So I, I, I got involved in that. Um, and after my junior year, the summer uh, before, uh, you know, right after we got out of school, I just took a tape that I had done from some of my uh, shows there at KRVM, which was the uh, high, you know the uh, school district uh, station, and right across the street from Sheldon it was the the top the, the best the number one top forty station in Eugene uh, KBDF Eugene twelve eighty twelve eighty weather another beautiful day here in Eugene seventy five for the high um, you know so I t- I took this oh, yeah, I uh, could hear it I could hear it yeah <laughs> I took it was a you know it was a top forty station and, and of course uh, you know all the uh, all of us uh, my age all the everybody in high school uh, were listening to it. anyways I went over there just trying to get my foot in the door just uh, I'll do anything uh, I'm just really interested almost like you know uh, uh, an unpaid internship or something. I'll be damned if they didn't hire me and, and, and had me the, uh, the next Sunday morning, I wasn't on, uh, like myself, but I was playing the, uh, the, uh, 30 minute, you know, uh, religious, uh, tapes and PSAs and stuff that you used to have to do, uh, back then. Uh, in fact, my first shift, uh, there was July 4th, uh, 1976, the bicentennial. Oh. So, uh, I was 16 years old. I was going to be 17 in August, but I, I was thrilled. 
Well, I did that one Sunday morning from, and, and you know, it was like from uh, uh, three to seven in the morning or something. <laughs> you know, great, great hours, but I didn't care. Uh, and they called me the, that next uh, week and they say, listen, we're, we're switching stuff up. You're going to be on from three to nine. Uh, you're going to be on the air, you know, a disc jockey from three to four 30. You're going to play tapes. And then from eight 30 to nine, you're going to be back on. So here I am, uh, you know, a cold called for a job. And then a week into it, I'm actually on the air, open mic, you know, doing the whole thing. And I was, uh, I was thrilled. I loved it. I loved it. I, I did it all through uh, my senior year in high school, a couple of years at Lane Community College. Uh, then I went full-time for about uh, a year and a half or so before I went on fire school. Nice. You ever think about uh, getting into something uh, like that again, podcasting here now, or, uh, you know, I, you know, I um, actually, when, show? I, when I first retired, uh, I, uh, a friend of mine that's involved in some of this, he was saying, Hey, we, you know, we should do a podcast. You'd be great doing a podcast. And to be honest with you, I had, you know, I just retired and I just didn't want to be uh, bogged down. I, I, I was, I, I, you know, this, I mean, when I, when I got hurt in 2017, it was in April. Uh, it was only the, our, my crew's fifth game, my second plate game. And you know, we were in Toronto and boom, I'm out. And I ended up uh, never coming back. So that, that summer, of 2017 was the first summer I had off since 1980. Um, and so I was like a kid, I, you know, just got out of school, man. I was, <laughs> I was loving life um, because, you know, during, you know, one of the sacrifices in baseball, and believe me, I'm not saying this for a sob story. It's just, it's just, you know, reality. You miss all the summer fun. And you, as you guys know, in Seattle and Portland, the Northwest summertime is absolutely gorgeous. And yeah. uh, I missed most of that because I'd be sweating my balls off in the, you know, St. Louis or uh, Cleveland or some, some humid infested place. Uh, uh, thinking when, you know, my friends are at a lake, you know, my friends are doing this in the summer. Out, yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so I was like a kid in the candy store for, you know, fresh out of school. Like, like when you were young, uh, that summer. And, and so I didn't do the podcast thing and I'm doing a ton of them now though. <laughs> Recently. <laughs> Um, before you hit it big in 1986, when you're called up to MLB, uh, for the next few years, you worked in the minor leagues, obviously, but now you went to winter ball in the Dominican Republic. The, when I read your book, I, some of those stories you told sound like it's kind of scary. Is there, can you share maybe one story of bumping in the Dominican Republic? Well, you know, the Dominican wasn't, wasn't so much scary. It was just a, it was such a life lesson. First of all, I mean, okay. the reason, the reason the uh, uh, prospects, triple A prospects are sent to winter ball um, is, is because, you know, first of all, just, you know, seeing pitches, I mean, calling balls and strikes is it, you just, you just have to do it and do it and do it and do it to, to really hone in on that skill. It's a very, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do on the, 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 the strike zone. But the other thing is that you are out there and you have, to, you have to deal with things um, that you, that probably will never come up at, in, in the United States, you know, in the big leagues, but uh, it, it, you know, a lot of times in those games, well, every other day I was uh, the plate umpire with three Dominican umpires and uh, only a few of them spoke some English, a couple of, okay, a couple not, you know, you could understand them and a few, not at all. But um, I remember I was, I was in the Dominican and I, as a kid growing up, I always had, for whatever reason, I always seemed to get strep throat every winter. It just seemed like I would get strep throat. <laughs> so, um, I could feel it coming on. I was down there and I thought, Oh man. So I, 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 I made arrangements to see uh, one of the team doctors on, on an off day. So I, I go in and, and, and I go into the reception area and she goes, Oh yes, yes. He's, he's waiting for you. Come on in. So, you know, I expect to walk into a, a examining room, like you do it, you know, like a, a doctor's office. I, I walk right into this guy's office. It's his regular office. And it's, you know, it's a big office with windows and a nice sofa. And, you know, he's got a nice desk and there's some liquor on the side. And, and he's not in a, in a, in a smock or a, a, a doctor, you know, thing. Um, he's just wearing, uh, you know, uh, his regular clothes and he's smoking like a fiend. Hello, Mr. Scott, come on in, please. Come on in. I just go. So good to see you. So, so tell me what's the problem. And I'm going, well, this will be interesting. You know, I, so I, uh, I said, yeah, doctor, I, you know, I, I've got a really sore throat. It's kind of tough to swallow. I just, uh, pretty sure I just need some antibiotics and kick this thing out. And I'm pretty sure it's probably a strep throat or something. Well, let me take a look. So he grabs a uh, tongue dispenser on his desk, which, you know, everybody has tongue dispensers on their desk, I guess. And so, uh, <laughs> um, he goes, okay. You know, the whole time now he's, he's smoky. He's never, he's never set this thing down. Right. And he goes, oh, give me an ox. Uh, 
and I, you know, I'm like, <laughs> 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 and uh, <laughs> he goes, he goes, oh, no problem. He throws the tongue uh, dispenser down. He goes, nah, uh, no problem. I'll take out your tonsils. I go, excuse me. <laughs> he said, yeah, no problem. I say, I'll take your tonsils out. I go, no, 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 no. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure it's just a, you know, like a sore throat. I mean, he goes, he goes, not a problem. I can take your tonsils out. It would be go, go away. I go, okay. I'll tell you what, why don't we, um, why don't we try some antibiotics first? Let's just try some antibiotics. And, 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 you know, uh, if, if I really need to have my tonsils back, you know, I'm going to, I'll just fly back to Miami. Uh, because there's no way I was going to have this done. <laughs> it's really good, right? <laughs> When he goes, no problem. And he points up and on his wall is a, a diploma from the University of Miami Medical School. <laughs> so he goes, no problem. I went, I went to Miami. I'll take your tonsils out. <laughs> I said, uh, no, I, I tell you what, Doc, I, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm well aware you would like to take my uh, tonsils out. But uh, how about we just try the antibiotics first and then we'll go from there. OK, I could do that. But right. OK. You know, and this whole time he's smoking, and I mean, I mean, I, I walked out of there. I, I how and there was not a chance in hell I was going to let uh, the, Dr. Paul Mall there take my my tonsils out. I just it was not it just was not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, the Dominican was quite. I mean, it, it was such a. Uh, I learned a lot about life. <laughs> I learned I I dealt with stuff on the field that uh, you know with with uh, some Dominican umpires that weren't. You know, some were some of those guys are really good umpires, but there is some that maybe not so much. Um, but you, you know, you just had you learned uh, under fire in real time to deal with things, both on and off the field, and 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 it it actually taught me a lot. Okay. Um, hopefully, don't mind me asking this question. You met your husband was it Mike in nineteen eighty six, I believe. Right. Right. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what was it like? It seemed like you were, lived two lives before you, you came out in 2014, was it? Uh, right. You, yeah. How was it for you guys, if you don't mind sharing a little bit with our audience? Well, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a closeted gay man. I mean, I was I was only closeted in my baseball life. And in, in, a, in a way, you can compartmentalize that pretty well because I didn't I didn't work in a, in a city that I lived in. You know, I was always all my work was on the road. Um, it, it's a type of job where you don't have a yearly, you know, a Christmas party where you bring the spouse or you don't have a summer picnic uh, business, you know, bring the kids and stuff. We don't, you know, we just don't have that kind of stuff. So I, I could, I could, I could be away from my baseball life and, and really have a complete other life, which is what I did. I, I, I certainly was living, uh, a, a double life, but, um, you know, I was, again, I was, you know, out at home and, and, and eventually came out to my, my family and, 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 and more and more friends. But when it came to baseball, um, I was actively trying to, uh, you know, not be out. I was trying to, because, you know, at first my, my first game in the, in, in the Northwest league in, in June of 81 was literally like two weeks after the first reported uh, illness, uh, strange cancer was uh, uh, affecting uh, young men in both uh, San Francisco and New York. Well, it was the start of the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And so my career paralleled that. And so, you know, not only in, in the 80s when I was in the minor leagues, I didn't want anybody to know I was gay. You know, I didn't want baseball to know because I thought, well, for sure, I would not be promoted. I, there's no way I'd make it to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. um, but now with the uh, HIV epidemic going on and, and the fear and the unknown that that disease had is, you know, if, take you back to the, to the, the early and mid eighties, there was a lot of fear and a lot of, uh, um, you know, because you just didn't know what was going on. And so there would be, uh, I'm sure there would be, uh, umpires that not only would, you know, they may work with me if I was gay, but they certainly wouldn't work with me once the AIDS epidemic came out because a lot of guys were scared. They were scared that, uh, you know, I'd, use the same towel or, or a doorknob or, you know, whatever, because they just didn't know what was going on then. Um, and so I was very active in trying to make sure, you know, nobody found out about my uh, sexuality and, and, and that carried on, you know, when I got to the big leagues and, and all through the nineties, uh, trying to keep that charade up for sure. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, moving on to major league baseball, I know you got many stories, but can you give your favorite Billy Martin and favorite Lou Pinella story? Well, you know, I really only have one Billy Martin story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the last umpire to ever eject Billy Martin, that was 1988, uh, Memorial Day down in Oakland. I, I was, uh, uh, it was my third year, and uh, it wasn't even my call, for crying out loud. 
that. It was a, a catch, no catch at second. I was working at first. Uh, Walt Weiss was leading off the bottom of the third for, for the A's and uh, Bobby Meacham playing second. It was a line drive, you know, uh, down toward the ground. There was a question if he catched it or not a line drive. And, 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 and Bobby, uh, you know, he was pretty confident he caught it, but it, all he had to do is like just glance up because he would have had Walt out by, you know, 25 feet if, 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 you know, if he had looked, but he didn't look, he just went in and started throwing around the horn. Well, Rick Reed was at second. He, he comes up with a no catch from first base. It I, be honest. I couldn't tell. I mean, was that, was that close. And so, uh, I didn't, you know, if I had a definite, uh, a definite catch that could have changed things, but I, I didn't have that. And so I'm not going to change something I'm not sure of. Um, so here comes Billy running out to, uh, argue with Rick Reed out of the first base dugout. Well, you know, he runs by me and he said, you saw him catch the ball. I said, no, Billy, he trapped it. I, I'm not sure if he heard me, but on he goes and he's uh, arguing with, uh, with Rick and uh, Rich Garcia was the plate umpire and the crew chief. He came up and was, uh, you know, kind of there. And I'm just standing, I just mind my own business over on the side. I'm just, you know, I'm not in part of this. And all of a sudden Billy just looks around at me and he goes, you saw him catch the ball. And I said, no, Billy, he trapped it. And he said, you're full of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and those are the magic words when you, followed by uh, something like that. He could have said, you know, that was a, a, a blankety blank call. Okay. The call was blankety blank. But once they say you're blankety blank, eh, okay. Now you personalize it. Personal attack. Yeah, exactly. So, so I eject him and of course, you know, he goes a little, you know, uh, cuckoo. Um, and, and, and the game was on Monday night baseball on ABC, <laughs> just like Monday night football. They used to have Monday night baseball. Uh, like I said, it was a Memorial day. So it was like a five o'clock start in uh, Oakland time. So the, 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 it was top, uh, bottom of the third. So the, the, the infield was still a little damp from when they had, you know, uh, sprayed it down before the game. So he's kicking, trying to kick some dirt on me and he can't get any dirt, you know, going. Right. So, uh, that frustrated the hell out of him. So, uh, uh, he picked it up and he just throws it on my chest. And, uh, I thought, you know, and my, and my parents were at that game, by the way, <laughs> after, after it, I, my mom's, I still don't know why you didn't go into insurance. Insurance would have been be so wonderful. You know, everybody has insurance. You no know? one throws dirt at you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, he got, uh, suspended, uh, for three days. Um, and, and, and he came back to manage, of course. And then he, uh, for, and he was managing for, I don't know, two and a half, three weeks. And then, uh, Steinbrenner fired him again and he never managed again. And he did not get ejected in that from the time that I got him until he was fired. So I was the last guy ever to uh, eject Billy Martin. Um, Lou Pinella, Lou Pinella, I have some Lou Pinella, uh, but I, I, I ejected Lou the first time, uh, the first time he got ejected in the kingdom as the Mariners manager. And it was uh, over pitches. Uh, he barked a little bit on, on a couple of, uh, uh, you know, uh, balls that I called. And uh, then he, you know, I told him to knock it off and he kept going and boom. And so I run him. So here he comes flying out of the, out of the fir, uh, the third base dog out there in the kingdom. And he's, <laughs> he's screaming. Now the thing you got to understand about Lou, Lou for the most part, wasn't a chirper. He didn't, he didn't chirp from the dugout on a lot of stuff. Um, he, you know, that night he did a little bit and I, and I ran him, but, but for the most part, Lou just kind of let you do your thing, but then Lou would snap and just go, just, you know, you know, cray cray. And, and, and as we've all seen <laughs> in, oh, yeah. uh, in this, so here he comes and he's, He's got his hat in one hand and he's, his veins are sticking out of his neck and he's going, son of a blah, blah, blah. And, he's, and he starts uh, kicking dirt onto the plate and covering up the plate with dirt. Well, Dave Phillips, my, uh, my crew chief, comes wandering down from first base. And uh, there's a pretty funny video of, of him and I, Dave and I just standing there. And we're, you know, we're not saying a word. We're just standing there watching Lou as his, he's just beat red and his veins and he's kicking dirt and he's kicking dirt. I think he kicks 19 times and he's just, <laughs> he's, he's, he's really puckering out now. He's, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's getting tired. So he's, he finally, he stops and I, and right when he stops, I go, uh, Hey Lou, uh, you missed a spot. Oh, you son of a <laughs> <And> boom. <laughs> and so he starts kicking some more dirt. <laughs> and, uh, finally, finally off he went. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've had run-ins with Lou. I've ejected Lou, uh, but I liked, I, I liked Lou. I, you know, he, he, uh, you know, I had him as a player for crying out loud, uh, uh, before he, uh, he started managing. So, um, you know, he, he would go goofy and he'd go crazy. And, uh, uh, but, uh, he, you know, I, I'd rather have Lou than, than some other guys. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, that, that brings to mind the question, you know, you see, I forget when it was, it was like the early thousands or something. There was a commercial, a couple of commercials that came out and it was, 
you know, managers go out and they'd be shouting and kicking and screaming, but really they're like quietly saying, you know, cause there's no cameras, there's no microphones out there on the field or whatever. They'd be going, you know, so where are you going for dinner? You know, or, you know, cause they're pretending right. cause they, they got to advocate for their players and look good for the, you know, for TV sure. and all that. Sure. So, so my, my question to you is as an umpire, you know, did you ever see that kind of dynamic where it was just kind of like behind closed doors? Yeah. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it, but I got to go out there and I got to, you know, protect, you know, put on the show to advocate for my players and, and, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, it didn't, it didn't happen a lot. Um, I mean, it did happen a lot where a manager was out there because he just had to be out there. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, try to you know, protect his player, like you said, or just get him off the field or whatever. Um, and there's other times he's out there because he's really not happy with you <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, or he's out there to fire up his uh, crowd or, you know, yeah. his team or whatever. But um, uh, it, it's, you know, and that's, there's that, but it's rare that they come out and actually tell you, you know, that, um, that what they're, what they're doing. And, um, uh, it, it was, uh, Terry Collins when he was managing the, uh, California angels at that time, uh, we were down in Anaheim. I was working second base. They were playing Toronto and Toronto was up or excuse me. Uh, uh, the angels were up like 10, nothing after three innings. I mean, they're just, you know, killing them. And so now we're like in the seventh inning and it's 10 to nine. <laughs> and so, um, uh, to lead off the, the, the inning for the, for the angels, uh, I don't remember the hitter, but it was deep, you know, right center. I, I go running out, uh, and I, I, you know, there's hands down. It was it a home run. Was it a spectator interference? What was it? I had a spectator touching before a home run, you know, so I've got spectator interference. He ends up at second base and here comes Terry flying out of the third base dugout. Uh, and you know, I'm thinking this probably be a decent you know, an argument because they're, they're blowing a 10 lead, you know, and the whole thing. <laughs> and he comes up and, and, and we meet kind of in shallow center field because I've gone out on the ball. So there's really nobody yeah. around us. And Terry goes, as he's approaching me, he said, Terry, uh, you know, uh, his hands were below the you're talking about the fan. His hands were below the, 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 uh, the uh, fence line. He goes, he goes, I don't give a shit. He goes, we suck. <laughs> and i and i and i go excuse me you know and I, now now you know i'm putting my hand in front of my fires because i'm gonna start laughing um and and he goes he goes i can't believe he goes can, can you believe this 10 nothing i was 10 to nine. we suck and i and i go well terry i don't know what to tell you and he goes you know what you gotta run me you gotta run me i go well terry i mean i can run you but you gotta do something to get run i mean you know i'm just saying oh you want me to do something he grabs his hat and he throws it about 20 feet and I go, that'll do it. Boom. You know, so I, I, I eject him and he goes, I, you know, and of course the whole time he's, he's, it looks like he's just chewing me a new one. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so finally, finally goes, well, thank you. Thank you very much <laughs> to leave now because we suck. And you know what? The worst thing about this is the worst thing about this is you got to stay here and watch the shit. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and off, off he goes. <laughs> so, I thought, well, that'll be an interesting one. I write that one up, but uh, you know that that doesn't ha it didn't happen all that often. But when it happened, it was pretty funny. <laughs> what what's a proper procedure for writing writing up your ejections? I mean, is it is it the the crew chief or is it the home plate umpire? How do you guys do that? No, whoever whoever has the ejection uh, writes it up. Um, the crew chief will will read it and and add anything if if they if you know if he has to um and you, you put everything in there i mean it's 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 not like uh uh you know he said uh he he cursed me you don't say that no you put down exactly what he said um uh one time uh, <laughs> one time uh uh Cito gaston who uh you know manager of the blue jays had back-to-back -back world series in the 90s but but Cito and i just didn't get along very well for whatever reason. Uh, if I said it's Tuesday, he'd say it's Wednesday. You know, if I said it's a day game, nope, it's a night game. I mean, we could not get on the same page and, and uh, I ejected him uh, through, you know, two or three times, whatever. We had a lot of different arguments. He just didn't believe me. And one time in Texas, um, I'm working the plate and, and here, you know, they're, they're bitching a little bit and this and that and this and that. And so finally, uh, Cito goes out to talk to his pitcher. Right? <laughs> and I'm, I know exactly what he's doing. He's just waiting for me. So I figured, let's just get this over with. So I come out and he says, uh, he says, uh, Dale, you know, my guys are saying you're missing pitches. And I said, Cito, you know, we're not going to talk about pitching. He goes, oh, yes, we are going to talk about it. I said, Cito, we're not talking about it. And then he said, you're, you know, he goes off on me, man. So I eject him. Get out of here. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he's chewing me a new one and about how I'm horrible and blah, blah, blah. And, and then he goes, you know what? I'm so sick of this. I am so sick of this. Let's, let's uh, finish this on, once and for all tonight. After the game, meet me after outside the stadium. We'll just finish this. I go, oh, I said, 
that's just great. I said, Dr. Bobby Brown, who was the American League president, and that's who uh, reads these reports and, and does the fines. I said, uh, uh, Dr. Brown will just love it that you're uh, threatening his umpires. <laughs> and he said, F Dr. Brown. And I said, he'll love that too. <laughs> so I put that right in the report. And it was the best fine I ever got out of Dr. Brown, I think. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it, he set me right up for that one. But um, yeah, the reports you 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 definitely are very you know you're you're taught to be you know honest. If if I had said something or done something that I should not have done, um, don't say you didn't do it. Um, you know because uh, and and trust me with nowadays with uh, field mics and cameras everywhere and stuff they're gonna they're gonna find out. But but uh, if I did something I shouldn't have done, I, you know I'll I'll put it down there or at least put it as part of the narrative of, of what happened. And, and then it's just up to them to whatever discipline, if any, they're going to, they're going to pull on them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I was a catcher back in high school and then, uh, there was some, a lot of people that I caught that through 90 plus and being a, you being the umpire, what was it like, like being behind the plate when people like Randy Johnson or Nolan Ryan were pitching? Is, well, I guess is it scary or how were you intimidated? Well, or? when Randy first came up, it was scary because he threw a thousand miles an hour and you weren't quite sure where it was Didn't going. Know where it was going to go? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like very intimidating. Plus, I mean, Randy, what six ten? Uh, I mean, by the time he, you know, he had his stride and, and, and threw the ball, it looked like he was about twelve feet from you. You know, I mean, it was just, just and he, you know, I mean, he's got a very intimidating mug on this guy. You know, I mean, it's like a, you know. Uh, you could be in a, you know, in a horror film, but, uh, um, you know, uh, but I, you know, I saw a lot of un unbelievably good, uh, pictures, some, and, 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 and some not necessarily, I mean, you know, the guys that throw the heat, obviously, but, you know, some guys are just cagey as heck with, uh, with pinpointing the, you know, their accuracy and, and changing speeds that were just, uh, masters at, at, uh, you know, getting guys out or, or, or keeping the, uh, hitters, uh, you know, off balance. I, I had Nolan Ryan probably three, four times behind the plate. Um, and one of the most, uh, best outings he had was in, was in Baltimore and it wasn't his, his fastball. I mean, it was decent and it was, you know, of course this is when he was uh, near retirement, but still had a lot of zip on the ball, but he, his, uh, his uh, breaking pitches and stuff were all working at, at that day. And, and, and so the hitters, you know, <laughs> they didn't know that, you know, their timing was off. He had them, he had them guessing most of the time. And, and that's, that's the key with a lot of those, uh, uh, you know, power pitchers that can just really, really wing it. But if they, if they have just even just one pitch that, that is on that, that night, that, that is, uh, you know, off speed and something that's uh, different from what the, the, you know, the, the fireball is, uh, um, that's when they're really effective. Randy Johnson had probably, uh, the most nasty stuff I ever saw. He ended up, he had a perfect game in Oakland uh, that he lost with two outs in the bottom yeah. of the eighth inning on a three, two pitch. Thank God it wasn't close. They couldn't pin that on me, um, but, uh, and then he lost the no hitter in the ninth inning, uh, Lance Blankenship, a uh, infielder for the A's, uh, you know, somehow uh, hit the ball, but that day, I've had no hitters. I mean, I've had, uh, I worked a no hitter uh, on the plate. I've worked two no hitters on the plate, but one isn't a no hitter. I'll explain that if you want me to, but, um, and I've seen a few on the bases, but that was the nastiest stuff I've ever seen was that day with Randy as it ends up, I ended up, I think he had a one, I think one or two hitter. I think after he first gave up that first one, he was a little bit, and he had a, he had a, a several run lead. So he was a little bit uh, disgusted with himself. I think he maybe gave, gave up one more, but that, but up into that, up until that point, um, it was, it was just nasty, nasty stuff. What, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to phrase this. I want to say, uh, in, in, in bigger emphasis has been made lately of pitch framing and some of the art artists, the true artists out there, like say Yadi Molina, uh, being the master at it, I think, uh, you know, I mean, how big of a, how big of a difference do you see that from the plate? Like, does it really, can it, can they really fool you as much as it looks like they can fool you? Well, let's, let's put it this way. I, I think pitch framing is way overrated. Okay. okay? Mm. Um, but, but it is very true. If you, if, if you have a good receiver, a mm -hmm. catcher, that's a good receiver. It's not framing. It's, it, I always like to call it like massaging the ball or just, you know, a, a, a pitch on, on the knee that he catches with his wrist up and, and not down, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, 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 it's the same pitch, the same location, 
it, it, but when he catches up here, even if it's a little bit below the knee, he catches up here with it, you know, a uh, wrist up, <laughs> it makes it look pretty good. The best catcher I ever had was Bob Boone early in my career. Okay. I mean, that guy could almost take anything and make it look like a strike. Just, but, but again, it wasn't framing. You know, I, I've seen guys literally, uh, you know, take a pitch that's a little bit outside and, and just, you know, catch and, catch and move, catch and move. Like, 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 I'm not going to see that. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, he really fooled me. Um, you know, but a guy that receives the ball well, it's not framing. He's just, he massages it almost. He, it's, it's just a, uh, uh, kind of a natural, very smooth uh, way to receive the ball. And he can, any pitcher, any pitcher, I mean, and, well, let me backtrack. There, there's a lot of catchers just aren't good receivers. They don't, they don't present the ball well. And, and uh, as a pitcher, I would hate to throw to those guys because it can take away uh, some pitches during the, during the, uh, during the game. Now, um, you know, sometimes I had a guy, frame it or just move the glide. I say, I say, Hey, you know, <laughs> but when you move that, you know, you, you're probably going to get that pitch. But when you did that, that told me that you thought it was outside. Right. I mean, so, you know, don't do that. Just, just receive it. Just catch the ball. I'll, I'll call it. Just catch it. Don't, don't try to, don't try to fake me out <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're, you're taking, you're taking borderline pitches that probably you're, you're going to get, and you're, you're t- actually taking it away from the pitcher. So, you know, just don't do that. Um, but, I, but I know it's all the, all the rage. Oh, he's, he's a framer. He's a, you know, it's all this. Yes. A good receiver, a good catcher is going to make every pitch look good and, and really help a, a pitcher. But a guy in, in the in the um, you know framing that 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 you know has this that's not good at, at receiving the ball. He's 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 not. It's not going to fool the umpire. Trust me. Uh, we have uh, a question. One more question from the peanut gallery here, uh, Mister Mister Deweese, who's running the uh, podcast. Wants to know about. Uh, I don't know if you've been if you've caught any of Julio Rodriguez's at bats, uh, but they've been consistently, you know been a little off like he's he, he's 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 struck out looking on a lot of pitches that are definitely not in the zone and <laughs> so there's 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 a lot of talk about how people are giving him a bigger strike zone than maybe they should and and how would you address that as an umpire i mean well how- first of all I, I i i've read some things but i have actually haven't seen uh, i haven't watched or or you know uh, seen any mariner i really haven't watched any games to be honest with you but um uh, here's the thing. First of all, uh, you know, be careful with the on-screen strike zone. Um, yeah. It's 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 a facsimile of the zone, and but but to to most fans, most people watching, it's it's reality. I understand that. That's that's what they see. That's what it is. Um, you got to remember, uh, even though the plate is uh, 17 inches, it's always a constant. Uh, you got to remember that the uh, by rule, by definition of the strike, if a pitch goes over the plate. Uh, hits any part of the plate uh, in the high low within the high low, obviously, but it hits any part of the plate um, in a three-dimensional zone. If it hits any part that's that is to be called a strike. So in other words, a pitch that is right at the knees at the very front edge of the, of the outside corner of the plate and just nicks that part of the plate, but is, is moving away from the hitter and is, and is actually dropping and the catcher actually catches the ball a couple inches outside or so, and, and almost on the ground. Now by rule, that's a strike because it hit it hit that part of the strike. Most of the time, an umpire will not call that a strike. Why? Because it's just not accepted as a strike. And and if if if, if you're constantly calling pitches that are that are you know outside and almost on the ground, both sides are going to be screaming. My point is this though, you know, because people say, well, it's a strike. By God, if it says it's a strike, it's a strike. Well, there's a there's a there's a there's a uh, uh, science of umpiring that I always talk about, and then there's the art of umpiring. The science are the nuts and bolts. This is that's the out safe, you know, fair foul, boom, boom, boom. But the art of umpiring is taking the the rules and 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 uh, putting them, you know, applying them to the level of baseball that you're working. In other words, a, a strike zone, which is written up about the same, it's a little different, but but just for this uh, for what I'm talking about. Uh, a strike zone with a with a with a, a you know a, a junior high team or a, or a JV team and a strike zone with a D1 college team or something it might be written up pretty much the same but you're probably going to call a few more strikes at the JV level why because they don't throw strikes a lot <laughs> so you're going to be a little bit like that's the art of umpiring just yeah. to try you know you're not going to give them a bunch of stuff but you're going to try to 
get you know everybody in the flow of the game. It's different at the big league level. Now, let me get back to the uh, what's on the screen. The 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 plate then at 17 inches and with the ball uh, at uh, almost three inches uh, in diameter. That actually means that the plate is now about, uh, you know, what, uh, 23 inches. It's almost three inches on each side because it can nick the corner of the plate. So that's one thing. I'm not sure how they calibrate um, how those systems that you see, how they call that, first of all. But the big deal is the high-low line. The high-low line changes for every hitter. Uh, The high-low line can actually change for every pitch. Because it's uh, by definition, when the hitter's about to, uh, uh, you know, uh, address the ball or strike at the ball, that's 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 his strike zone. So if I'm squared to bunt, um, I'm going to have a a high low, you know, smaller zone or window there than if I'm standing up and and swinging away. So uh, so the high low is very, you know, fluid uh, as far as that goes. And I'm not really sure how fluid it is with the. you know, system that they use uh, on, on the, uh, on the screen, because you just don't see, I'm just really skeptical a little bit about that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I say that also is because we, when we're evaluated, uh, we don't get our evaluation until usually the next day, because there's a, an actually, there's an operator for every pitch that the system says that we miss. He goes in and, and make sure the high low lines are where they're supposed to be. Um, and sometimes that adjusts to where you a miss turns into a not a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes uh, it adjusts uh, um, uh, where you know uh, you know. It, usually they only look at the, the pitches that are called misses. So if it's if you call it a strike, uh, you know maybe that adjustment might might switch it. But they usually don't look at it. But the the point I'm trying to make is they have somebody going in doing that for every you know drawing it in. You don't have time, uh, obviously, when you're watching a game and, and, and uh, system. Yeah. So let's put it this way. I have a lot of questions about the accuracy of, of what you see on the screen. That being one. Now, um, you know, if if there's some, you know, there's some pitches that you don't need to think on the screen. I just they're not very good pitches. OK, yeah. uh, uh, usually. Uh, uh, I mean, I've had them. I've called. Them. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what. Um, I don't think there's any, um, you know, there, there isn't any uh, premeditated. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's get uh, that guy from the Mariners. Yeah, the young kid. Yeah, let's screw him. You know, I mean, that's not there's not there's not some conspiracy. I haven't seen. I can't really comment on what's going on there. Um, I I I just let me put it this way. Um, you know, maybe some of them should not have been strikes. Maybe some of them um, aren't that bad a pitch, and 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 you know, you just want it to be a, a ball. Um, you know, maybe he's learning, uh, with his, you know, his eye and maybe he's just getting a little bit better feel for a big league strike, uh, strike zone. Um, but it, it, the other thing I, it's, it's kind of amazing. I, and I, I always talk about in officiating is uh, fans and I'm a fan, you know, I'm a duck fan. I go to season tickets. I, I'm a fan of football. I don't have to referee the football. Game. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, you always remember fans always remember the plays. They don't go their way. <laughs> All the yeah. calls that don't, they never quite really remember the ones that go their way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they, now, uh, again, that's not answering the question. I, you know, that's not saying that uh, uh, guys are making calls for a specific reason. You're, you're making calls because you're reacting to whatever is happening. Um, but, uh, but sometimes I'm just, uh, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll have somebody say, Hey, look at these pitches. What do you think? And I'll look at them and, you know, all three of those strikes were, were balls that go, actually one, maybe, <laughs> you know, and, and the other, you know, looking at it and, and, you know, I just, I just look at it differently. You got to remember the, the, the camera is offline, the center field camera that can distort the, uh, the, uh, what you're seeing. And there's a lot of things that can take into a factor or maybe they missed it. I don't know, <laughs> but, but, yeah. uh, um, sometimes we're not as bad as everybody thinks we are. right on um we are getting near the end of the show but i got two last questions for you so i'll fire away at you um first question is you and your husband mike i noticed travel have traveled the world you've traveled lots of beautiful states in the united states what's your favorite spot to go to in seattle Oh, well, I love Seattle. And by the way, uh, I will be there June 30th for, uh, the pride night. Um, I, I think I'm throwing out the first pitch, but I, as an umpire, I usually just give it to the catcher. So we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, when, when I was working in Seattle and Mike would, uh, he, he didn't come up every time I worked there, but when he would, 
um, you know, we, we stayed right downtown. A lot of times we like to just, you know, go for a walk on the, you know, the, the market and, and walk down and down by the, uh, the pier and stuff. Uh, you know, um, when I would go on my daily exercise walk, a lot of times I would walk up to, uh, um, it was a volunteer park. That's got kind of a view back into the city. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it was just a nice walk. I love to go through those neighborhoods and in the, in the uh, uh, architecture and everything. And Seattle's a great city. You know, it's, it's, it's Portland's older, you know, older brother. <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. um, um, but, uh, you know, the, uh, quite frankly, uh, being able to travel around as I did, you know, we're, we're pretty spoiled up in the Northwest. I got to say. Absolutely. Uh, la- last question, but I literally had eight pages of questions for you. So, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, I, I choosing this one, you worked the 2001 world series. Uh, will you talk about at least game? Maybe just talk about game seven. Well, you know, uh, Game seven was incredible. That, that was an incredible series. I mean, right yeah. after 9 11, uh, I had yeah. game three, the first game at Yankee Stadium behind the plate. That was when President Bush threw out the first pitch. And that, okay. that, 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 whole, that whole night was insane with the security. And, and we had a Secret Service guy who dressed in an umpire's uniform and was on the field with oh, us. Oh, wow. When the president was out there. They also had uh, two, two agents addressed in um, New York Yankee groundskeeper uniforms out on the field. Uh, Mark Hirschbeck, uh, one of the umpires that was on our, he was supposed to be in right field that night. He stayed in the tunnel. So there'd only be six umpires coming out on the field. Um, it was really quite a night, but they, you know, every time you see the highlight of uh, the diamondbacks winning game seven, you're going to see me. Cause that, that little, that little blue single that, uh, uh, uh Luis Gonzalez head basically went right over my head. Um, in fact, if the infield had been back, uh, I mean, it's an infield fly, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it wasn't like he's crushed the ball, but, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, sometimes you don't have to. And, uh, and that's also so historic because, uh, Mariano uh, Rivera, that's, I believe the only time he had a loss, uh, yeah. in, in postseason. I mean, he was yeah. damn near unhittable in postseason If you look at the stats, um, so that, so, I mean, with New York, go, with the lead going to the bottom of the ninth and Rivera, the game's over. I mean, usually, right. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't end up that way. That was a great series. Right Fantastic. On, right on. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Dale. Hey, by the way, you have a book that's coming out. Um, would you care well, to out. give our listeners Matt? <laughs> yeah, Matt, let yeah. our guests talk. <laughs> you, you don't have a book, Matt. When you get a book, uh, you get to talk. Well, yes, uh, the Empire <laughs> is out. Our, uh, yeah. uh, calling the game and living my true self. Uh, it, it was. It's a memoir. It just talks about uh, uh, you know how I got into umpiring and and and, and through the minor leagues and the big leagues. Uh, a lot of uh, you know pretty good story. You know, writing I've never written before. I, I've told some of these stories forever. Uh, I can I can pause and change my voice and 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 gesture and everything. But trying to trying to take that and put it on a page and hope that the reader is. Uh, uh, you know, getting the entertainment out of it. Like I usually am when I'm telling that story, that's a tough thing to do. That's uh, that's a challenge. And, and it was one I, I hope I met, but uh, it's a, it was a fun book to write. Uh, and it also talks about, you know, me uh, coming out and, and how I dealt with all of that through uh, my time in baseball. So uh, where can, where can I encourage you to guy, you know, buy a few, you know, Christmas is not far away. Buy a bunch, <laughs> buy, 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 buy a whole like boatload of books. It'll be wonderful. Yeah. Where can people find the book? Is it on Amazon? Um, yeah. Amazon, all the, all the, all the, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble. I mean, uh, it's, it's out there. Um, and then uh, I've got a website, uh, umpiredalescott.com. Um, if you aren't at any of the, uh, I have my schedule there and there'll be more added as far as some book signings. But if, uh, uh, if you're not able to do that, you can, there's some, uh, there's a page there telling you how you can send it in and I'll uh, sign it for you. Awesome. Oh, nice. Awesome. We always like to end the show on an upbeat note. Uh, this is called our shout outs. And, uh, at the, uh, well, let's start with, uh, Brian Solak. You always like to do shout outs. All right. I am going to give my shout out to you, Dale Scott. I, we've been blessed with many guests this last year, but today I was very excited that we were getting the chance to meet you and pick your brain. And, and like I said, earlier, I loved your book. So, I mean, right. I'm going to buy as many as I can for gifts and tell others about it. So, well, I appreciate that. And, and, and uh, write reviews on every website in, the, in America about it. So. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, Matt, your turn. 
Uh, I, I wanted to add a comment that I, I yes, I really enjoyed the book. It's amazing, um, and the the foreword by Billy Bean was was very yeah, very yeah. poignant. Um, and uh, my shout out also goes. I want to go. I want to give a shout out to Adam Macko, who's pitching for the uh, Everett Aquasox. He struggled a bit today, and and maybe they didn't win the game, but the man is insane on the mound. I mean, with another ten strikeouts today. It's not going to be long before he leaves Everett, so we're we're, we're going to be interviewing him very sh- shortly here. Fantastic, fantastic. Mike, shout out this week again, uh, one more time to Keith Pacow. He has the That All May Be Edified podcast, which uh, has has been really grown, uh, has gained a lot of steam, and is really good, especially if you're looking at servant leadership as your career. Check him out on podcast on Spotify, Podbean, and... <laughs> iTunes. Dale, you get the last word for shout-outs. Uh, you know, a shout-out. First of all, thank you. Uh, thank you for the invite. I, I, it's uh, amazing how quickly an hour goes by. And if you, uh, if you need a guest down the road, let me know, because I've got Absolutely. a lot more stories. Oh, um, uh, and, 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 and once again, just remember, uh, uh, June 30th, uh, Mariners uh, Pride Night, I'll be there, and uh, I look forward to it. Uh, shout-out, you know what? A shout out to all my umpire brethren, uh, both uh, in, in, in professional baseball and also in college and on down. It's a tough job. Um, there's a shortage of umpires and sports officials in general uh, nationwide in, in all the sports. And, and, you know, part of that is because uh, you get some young people that are kind of interested and get started and kind of like it, but they just can't take the uh, uh, some of the parents and coaches that are insane. And I'm talking about, you know, kids. Um, so everybody just chill a little bit, you know, if, 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 if it's a game that involves kids that are just learning the game, guess what? You're probably going to have umpires who are just learning the game also. So, yeah. um, there's going to be mistakes made stuff happens. Just chill. Uh, let's not scare these officials off. We already have a shortage of them. Awesome. Thank you, Dale Scott. And on behalf of Brian, the soul man, Solak, that damn dirty duck Matt page, myself, Abraham Deweese. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week on the Seattle sports team podcast. Have a great day. <laughs>